0: Today's podcast episode is a new kind of episode. It's actually a podcast episode that I'm republishing from my friend's podcast, Catching Z's The Millennial's Guide to Mindfulness. The guest in this episode is me, Tanner Badgley. That's right, I'm featured in my first ever podcast. In this guest appearance, my friend, mentor, and podcasting accountability partner, Nick Zofo and I, really broke down my 10-day Vipassana meditation course I just completed here in Thailand. For those of you that don't know, Vipassana is a technique developed by Gautama the Buddha 2,500 years ago. The word Vipassana means seeing things as they really are. Vipassana is about removing the root of your impurities through self-observation and mastery of the mind with the goal of happiness and liberation from suffering. Over 10 days, I spent over 100 hours developing the technique at a meditation center in Khang Khan Thailand. I observed precepts such as remaining silent, removing all entertainment, and abstaining from physical exercise and intoxicants. We woke up at 4 a.m. each day and worked with discipline until 9 p.m. I feel amazing and wonderful in such a sustainable way. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, but also so incredibly invaluable. I feel so grateful to have discovered Vipassana. It works at the most root level of anything I've ever learned. I want to thank Nick Zolfo and Zach Darmon of the Catching Z's podcast for the work they did to put together our episode and the 40 other episodes with mindful guests that they have already published. I hope this episode is a gateway into the rest of the Catching Z's podcast. If you're intimidated by the idea of meditating or even too antsy, giving these guys 30 to 40 minutes of your time leaves you with a similar feeling as meditating and has all kinds of positive effects too. I think it's worth the listen. I decided to ask for permission to publish our episode directly into People of Purpose. Not because of the feat that I generally am proud to have accomplished, but because I hope it nudges you to do a course yourself. I actually think the mark of my success after leaving the course is if I can do my part to get the people I love and respect and wish the best for to do a 10 day course of their own. So, aside from this brief introduction, here is my republication of the full episode. Entitled Tanner Badgley, host of the People of Purpose podcast, published by the wonderful podcast Catching Z's The Millennial Guide to Mindfulness. Please enjoy this special episode featuring this week's Practice of Purpose Vipassana Meditation.
1: Welcome to Catching Z's The Millennial's Guide to Mindfulness. The vibes today are coming to you by my good friend, Nick Zofo, and myself, Zach Darmon. Allow us to show you the love that's right in front of you. Allow us to show you the love that's all around you. But most importantly, allow us to show you the love that's within you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Catching Z's. This week's episode, we are thrilled to have a longtime fan of the show and role model to us, Tanner Badgley. Tanner is nothing sort of someone who lives his life to the absolute fullest, and in his most recent adventure, he wanted a 10-day meditation retreat in Thailand. We were lucky enough to be able to interview him within the, f- the first few hours of him leaving the retreat so learn all of his insight in as fresh of a way as possible. We do have to warn you that because of the location of where Tanner is located, the quality of sound isn't at the highest level. But I can promise that what this interview lacks in sound quality, it makes up in knowledge, Content and love.
2: What's going on? Like, what's uh? What are your, what are your thoughts? What are your? How was it?
0: Yeah. Um. Well, I spent ten days. At first, in a place that felt kind of like I was checking myself into prison, and then it, it started to feel like this wonderful like haven to to really go deep in myself, and it was it was everything. It was super challenging. It was. Really difficult. It was really, I hated it sometimes. I was really annoyed. I was bored, but I also had like extreme opposites of those too. I was like, this is a wonderful thing I'm doing. I have a lot of like mental focus and concentration. I feel like I'm living a very pure lifestyle. I'm I'm uncovering like really deep rooted impurities in myself. I'm having like really nuanced wise yeah. understandings about kind of subtle things i'm seeing patterns that i had never seen before I, I was part of a community of people that like acknowledge one another but never talk to each other because they have yeah. like a rule about noble silence mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it was a yeah. pretty cool experience i've never done anything so full-on intense like that but i feel i feel wonderful right now
2: what uh just to let's uh, there's a lot to uncover there i think but uh start by is this your first one um is this the first retreat you've been on or what's the history
0: well i was in thailand a year and a half ago and i went to this uh five i i had five days off of school i was a teacher and so i went to try this five day thing i wasn't part of any program their program at that one was 21 days it was also vipassana but i only had five days so i said can i do five days and they said yeah and i got the taste of it there so it was the same kind, of, same kind of rules but i mean i didn't really go deep at all like the first three days were just super hard i had no idea i like the motivation wasn't there there wasn't like yeah. a, okay. there wasn't so much like uh, theory in, explained to you this one had like an hour hour and a half long dhamma talk they call it where you have like an actual teacher explaining you know why why you do this and what the teachings are and how to understand it and conceptualize it with like stories and parables and like little things that help you to stay a little bit more grounded and focused yeah. and motivated. And whereas last time it was like I'm sitting here, I, I hear things, I feel things, I don't really know what it's doing to me. I uh, I miss my phone, I miss reading, I I want to exercise, I want to see people I I love, like yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I learned a lot about myself last time, and I realized like this I need to give this thing full justice. And a lot of people talk about the 10 day course, that's the kind of standard way of doing it. And I'm going to do a 10 day course when I get the time next. And a year and a half later, I'm back in Thailand, and I had the time, and I did it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's to talk about. Then now, this time compared to that, when you just had the taste, what like even what's the first couple of days? I guess let's start with what's. The, they probably have some sort of routine. You guys are going through, walk through that briefly.
0: Yeah. So the daily schedule is 4:30 to nine o'clock. Um, you wake up. You are supposed to do about a two-hour meditation. It's pretty long. You do it. Um, They have a a hall where you go and there's about 40 people there that were checked into the same course as me. You can do it there or you can do it in your room or you can do it in what they call a meditation cell, which is like a a little tiny, like, you know, five by five sort of space that you sit in on a cushion and have your own like little box that you're in, like a sauna type of feeling. (laughs) Uh, So you do that and that's, yeah, that's two hours, and and then the light starts to happen, and they start to have like different chanting things that are all in in Pali language, like the the language of the time of, of Buddha. And uh, then you go to breakfast, and you have uh, it's all vegetarian, pretty much vegan actually. I would say like ninety eight percent vegan. A couple of things every once in a while where had some animal products, but never any meat. So pretty like vegan vegetarian diet and, um, take a little bit of a break, um, can like rest in your bed or take care of some laundry or take a shower or something like that, or go on a little walk. It's a really peaceful place. And so there's like no cars, no noise of any city. There's like, it's just a lot of acreage and you're deep inside it. And you just hear lots yeah. of yeah. birds and animals and insects and yeah, it's really a natural environment. It was really cool. Um, and then you go to, then you have this morning session, which yeah. is uh, back to back to back meditations uh, that are, I think it was an hour and a half, hour, hour and a half, like four straight hours of meditation. It was like, whoa, it's hard. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so you meditate, take right. a ten minute yeah. break. Uh, and then they'd ring this bell and ding, like reverberates a lot. And then, uh, yeah, and then you go to lunch after you do these three sessions. Lunch is a two-hour break of time. So eat more vegetarian food. I ate a lot of food because that lunch is your last real meal. <laughs> so they don't want you to be consuming um any heavy food after 12 o'clock. For old students, actually, the ones that this is not their first course, they only allow you to take tea. Um, for me, I had, like, bread and peanut butter and Nutella and some little things to eat my bananas. I have these bananas always available. So I was always, yeah, had enough nutrition in me to feel like my blood sugar wasn't going crazy low or anything. Um, yeah, and then I would always yeah. take a nap. Like yeah. all the time, I was just exhausted by this point in the day because I'm working my mind like crazy. And then and in the afternoon, same thing, back to back to back. Then do this dinner break. It's not dinner, though. It's more just like a snack break. And then uh, evening time, and do a one-hour meditation. And then we went to this Dhamma talk, And that was always, I think, my yeah. favorite part of the day because that was always like kind of the checkpoint I was looking forward to. I was like, when I make it to the Dhamma talk in the day, the day will be completed in my mind because it's not, it's not work anymore. You're listening to really interesting instruction. Like this guy is like a really renowned teacher. He's, he's on like a video cast basically. And he's at some sort of seminar and the camera's on him and he has a microphone and he's sitting on like a cushion with his wife next to him. And he's a, he's a Burmese guy who's been living and teaching in Northern India for a long time. And, he just gives really interesting instructions, starting with day one, what you're thinking about what you're doing, why you're doing this, um, kind of the back history of how this sort of meditation uh, style was um, created and how it was discovered and ways in which it's really manifested in people's lives, like thousands and thousands of people over the last 25 centuries have used this and how, how it's like been maintained in its purest form as best as possible um and all that sort of stuff and then kind of gets into some stories um ways of like kind of conceptualizing concepts um he'll like have like little examples he's like it's like you have five blind people and you want to teach them what an elephant is you have one of them stroke the tail and they say an elephant is like a brush you have like another stroke the leg and the elephant is like a post and then another stroke like the toenail it's like a rock none of those are right but the combination of all of them is like what the elephant is. Um, So he has like little interesting things like that that really help you to, Oh, that makes sense. I can conceptualize it. Um, yeah. yeah. So I look forward yes. to that in the evening. Time with just another half an hour after that, and then go
2: to bed. In, like as I as I'm asking the question about like, tell us what a day's like. Um, you know, I'm really thinking like, well, that's not what I want to know. Not about the structure. I want to kind of know. I want to kind of let you freestyle here about, you know, what was some of the what was some of the findings, or what did you you know what did you learn, or what's the what's sticking out?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I did a ten-day Vipassana meditation course. Um, Vipassana is a style of meditation that is um, to generate um, mental purity, to uh, give give one like control over their mind um, as a way to um, find liberation from suffering and misery by looking inwardly um, at a very deep level, um, and you do so by observing these like. Uh, Three different concepts. One of them is called Chitta, which is a living a moral life. So they they have you um, take these different precepts that you agree to for ten days. You will not you will not break. Like um, one of them is you will not uh, talk to anybody. So it's noble silence as a way to allow everyone to stay in an individual space and not have all these outside energies interrupting that. Um, another one's like to be free of intoxicants, so you're not altering the state of your mind or your feelings or your mood you're like, you're getting very in touch with whatever you're naturally feeling in this exact moment. Um, And then they have things like um, a lot of division between men and women, you cannot touch a woman, you can have no sexual contact, things like that. They want you to be free of, of any sort of thinking along those lines um things like not killing anything so like even like mosquitoes you're not supposed to just react by killing them you're supposed to recognize that everything has life and if you're really trying to cultivate true inner peace then you want all beings to be f- feeling happy and peaceful and well um so you recognize these sort of precepts one another one is like no uh, no technology no reading no writing it's all about like uh, freeing yourself of any other practices so they want you to like stop any like previous exercise you're doing or yoga they don't want you to mix it with anything for ten days they want you to observe it in its purest form Um, and then after that um, that creates like this this groundwork or this framework that allows you to to develop a a pretty pure state of meditation and then they start to work on your mental concentration which is called samadhi Um, and They want you to do samadhi at the experiential level and so that not just intellectualizing it um, and like having someone tell you about it and being like okay i understand it's about actually doing it so we were meditating about 11 hours a day and um yeah so you're constantly like narrowing your focus so that you have a very sharp pointed focused mind and it begins by the first few days you're just noticing the breath coming in and out of your nose you try to focus on that area kind of around your nostrils and above your upper lip. And that's where you keep kind of focused. So you sit for an hour and you try to feel the the air coming in and coming out, any sensations going on around there, any tingling or vibrations or anything like that. And it's really hard at first. You don't feel a lot. You get super easily distracted for about 20 minutes at a time. I would just be on some chain of thought and come back and be like, wow, I just wasted a ton of time and I'm back to my breath. Um, but as you do that, you, they want you to you maintain perfect equanimity of mind. So you have a balanced, non-reactive mind, non-judgmental mind. You're just observing things. Um, and so as you kind of combine that observation with the concentration, you're able to go to subtler levels within your, within your bodily framework. And then, um, and then they start to, to have you scan the body by day four. Um, and they ask you by day four to not change your position. So, you know, it's really hard to sit cross-legged for an hour with your hands folded and not like, you know, move around and want to change because you get burning in your knee or your hip or your back feels tired. All these like little reasons, you know, but they want you to be able to be non-reactive to these sensations, to observe them. And so it's, they ask you to basically develop your samadhi by sitting there, focusing your mind, concentrating, and then to feel... Um, the sensations as they are not try to change them into some desired sensation you want or not try to avoid them Um, and by doing that you're able to go into like more subtler levels of your body Um, so you're just scanning like little bit by little bit like your shoulder your bicep your tricep your forearm down your hands each of the fingers and you get different sensations as you do that and so when you do that like round after round hour after hour I think we made like more than a hundred hours of meditation in the whole process. Uh, you start to observe things, um, at a pretty deep level that you feel. And some of the sensations are very gross sensations is what they call them, which are like very like solidified, intense, pretty negative feeling things. Like you feel like a throbbing or like a clinching or a, you know, hot or cold or itching, or you really don't want it basically, but you're supposed to sit there and observe it. Um, with the understanding that things will pass, so they they have this constant theory that um, that you are you are a part of nature, so and nature has this law to it that everything is impermanent, everything is always changing, um, it's, and even within yourself, all your atoms and your cells are always arising and passing, arising and passing. So that feeling that you have is not just like a permanent sensation; it's what you feel right now in this moment. And but as you observe it, you start to notice that it kind of dissipates or it kind of moves to a new place or the, the, the texture of it feels a little different or the deepness feels like it kind of goes away. You, you, can, you can endure it is what you start to realize. Um, and so by the end, I'm able to sit for an hour, hour and a half without changing anything about my position or my posture. In the beginning, every 10 minutes, I want to change how I was sitting and I was allowed to change. Um, that was that combination of sharpening your mind, and developing like this fortitude that you're going to like not, not change things and not be like a reactive person. Um, and then they, you go to this third level, which is called Panya, um, which is uh, basically like insightfulness from, from wisdom. Um, the, experience, the experience, life experience that generates wisdom and that, that comes from viewing things at different angles. And different perspectives, um, and so you start to develop wisdom by having these first two things: the chitta and samadhi. So, like the moral, uh, purified sort of precepts to li- to life, and then the mental focus and concentration. And then that combination sends you to the next level, which is where you generate wisdom and insightfulness. And that's when you start to understand things like um, yeah. your your um, automatic responses to things in life are um are basically what what pull you one way or the other um and this this vipassana technique teaches you that uh you don't have to be a product of all the outside sensations coming into you you don't have to like you know get angry and and act angry or get ecstatic and act overly ecstatic you if you balance, maintain a balanced economist mind um and observe these sensations mm-hmm. as they're happening as they're being felt inside the body yeah um then that's when you develop like an inside strength that allows you to be non-reactive and have choices about how you how you generate your actions and that's what allows you to like live a peaceful harmonious happy life and so you start to realize when you have cravings and aversions those are the the primary um responses that humans have cravings are um attachments clingings, longings it's that desired state that you want to feel as, that you want that sensation yeah. to be or if it is in the desired state you want to hold on to it and make it something that you always are feeling but that's never that's never how things work that's what creates like addictions and cravings and um it, it ultimately leads to misery because when you don't get what you want um it's the whole like he gave the example of um a man wants to get rich and he, so he can buy him buy a car that car is good but he can buy a, a better car he has seven cars not enough he's ready for a helicopter. The helicopter is good, but he needs to go to another continent. So he gets an airplane and this airplane could be a jet. So he gets a jet and then yeah, it's not enough. He needs a spacecraft. You, you have this like constant, like it's never enough feeling. Um, and that's like what that whole craving side of things is. And so instead of like, just being like, wow, this is a wonderful, joyful thing. I'm, I'm like lost in my feeling right now. You, you maintain balance equanimous mind, you observe it. Um, as it's being experienced inside the body. So even when amazing things are happening outside of you, you still feel what's happening in my body. Maybe your heart feels light or you feel like a, a general like tingling vibration around your around your head or whatever, you know, good sensations. And you, rec- you recognize those and you watch those and you feel that they do pass, they leave you. And you, shouldn't, you don't need to feel like despair that those are gone. And then the opposite of this is aversions. So it's it's things like pain and uh, dis like displeasure and um, bitterness, resentment, hatred, unable to forgive. Uh, you know things that you want to run away from, you want to avoid, you want to push away, you want to like block out of your mind. Um, everyone has these things, you know. You have ups and downs in life, and so when those downs come, um, you're not to be just automatically reactive to things like in a fight or flight sort of sense. You if you develop this practice of vipassana, then you become an observer of how those sense outside the sensations are being experienced in your body. And that may be like tightness or clean or like, you know, discomfort or desire to change position or desire to crack your back or, you know, like clench your fists or You know, all these sort of things, even like even things like sighing, you, you have control over, over if you're going to do that. Um, and so when you be when you reach subtler and subtler understandings about how things are being experienced, that's how you develop inner wisdom. And then that combination leads you to the path towards what they call nibbana, which is like true liberation from your suffering to where you're you're just living and giving outwardly, recognizing that um, you are completely part of nature you're living in alignment with all the laws of nature and that's what what that's what they called dhamma which is when you're in alignment with the laws of nature and you're you're finding purpose and fulfillment and um, you know you have sympathetic joy and compassion and uh, you recognize that you're a servant to others and that's how that's really the way to be living Um, and that starts by by working on yourself Um, at a a deep mental level, getting mental mastery over yourself rather than being a slave to your reactive mind. Um, And that's what you're essentially developing by doing hour and hour and hour of meditation, um, because they want you to go beyond just a devotional understanding. It's not about praying. It's not about like putting your faith in any sort of God or religious leader or sect or any sort of thing. And it's not about intellectual understanding. It's not about hearing the science of how this works or about how this works or someone's experience of it. It's about experiencing it yourself as it's being experienced in your body. And that's, yeah. And then in that process, you're going to a very root level of your mind and removing impurity after impurity. When you, when you stop giving them energy, those cravings and aversions, um, start to start to come out of you. He uses this example of, um, it's like a fire, Um, So you have all the firewood, the firewood is your cravings and aversions of your past, like when you were more unconscious of these things, um, because they buried themselves deep in your subconscious. Um, And so when somebody says something to you that really speaks to like a core part of you, and really generates like a lot of negativity, like you hate that person, um, and you hold on to that, and that, that, that puts more firewood on that fire, and the fire keeps burning greater and greater and greater but when you stop putting firewood to those things the previous firewood burns up and the fire eventually dies dies away and so as these things rise up as you feel a great like terrible intense sensation in your throat and you feel your muscles like clinging up you sit there and observe it and watch it pass feel it pass um and these things start to dissipate and dissipate and dissipate and dissipate and then you start to feel a lot of you feel lighter and more peaceful um, yeah, you just feel like you have a greater understanding of yourself, and you look at the world in a very positive, loving sort of lens, and it's awesome. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it sounds like you learned a thing or two at this place. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: that was awesome.
2: Yeah, that was that was that was cool, man. I, I think one of the things we talk about here often on uh, catching Z's is about how big of an impact kind of suffering has on us. Um, and, and all I picture is like those first couple of days, how much you have to go through just like, you know, fidgety or just like uncomfortableness, uh, talks to us about how the suffering, how that began and how it progressed as you were there.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that day two is, the hardest day he talks about how that's that's generally what people consider to be the hardest day day one's not so bad because i don't think you're all in i think you're still kind of like sitting there and it's kind of actually nice you you finally have some moments of solitude and you're not so committed to focusing on that breath in and out every single second for an hour because that's way too intense you know that you're not expected to do that perfectly because you don't have that mental capacity yet you haven't developed the practice and so you go on these like long chains of thought that are pretty wonderful in general for me. I haven't had like a major like trauma-filled lifestyle, but then you also rec- you also think about some of the negative things. But day two is really hard because you finally face that stuff. You 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 become like um, accountable to yourself. You're like, this is when I start to commit to this program. Like, and as you commit, you say, I'm coming back to the breath. I'm coming back to the body sensation. Um, I'm I'm not gonna like have or some clinging or attachment to this thought process um, and I think for me I struggle with um, trusting my memory. Uh, I get some some idea or some insight about like I have the podcast you know the podcast of my own people of purpose and I have some like stroke of creative like inspiration come to me while I'm sitting there meditating and I, I have this I, have, it's got, I would label it a craving I have a, a desire to hold on to that thought. So that after I get out of the meditation, I can go write this down and I can implement it when I finally have like the internet back. But it's but that that is not something that is against the practice. That is practicing against the way Vipassana works. And so you come back and you come back and you come back. And that's really hard to to keep yourself in check like that. Um, and then just the fact that there's no no pleasures. They remove all the pleasures. It feels like you put yourself into like a self you, you, it feels like you've put yourself into a self-imposed prison uh, beca- because like you're in these small rooms that like are really not that separate from one another. They have like a, like a short, like seven foot tall wall in between you. And then like, there's, you can hear every little sound of all the people around you. You're in a small building. There's eight of us. Your bed is super basic. Uh, no technology of any sort. Um, you have no contact with anyone in the outside world. I came alone. I didn't even have any recognition with anyone's face or anything. You're observing this noble silence. So you're really like in an alone world. And that's, that's hard for me as an extrovert at the beginning, I think. Um, and then you're also figuring out how things work. Like, how do I serve myself food? How do I clean my plate? How, how should this be organized? What's the schedule fully like? And then you're questioning, like, do I have the mental endurance for this? Because being expected to meditate 11 hours a day or 12 hours a day or whatever it was, it was a lot. Um, That's a lot. (laughs) And so I would go back for my little break to 10 minutes. And then I would just be like, it's like 10 a.m. and I feel like it's 10 p.m. I'm ready to sleep. My mind is like fully exhausted. And I'm still, I'm still. Certain they talk about like keep that equanimous mind everywhere you're going, even when you're not in a formal sitting meditation pose. You still recognize that like a balanced, still like understanding your sensations, still staying non-reactive, still staying focused. You're not clinging to desire to sleep or anything. You're not trying to find some like like I think for me coming from a yoga background, coming from like a lot of body work and massage and acupuncture and herbs and things i'm always looking for these outside things to fix me and and here you you really stop searching for that you're not trying to find some instant fix or anything like that you're just observing how things are right now and and the fix comes by fixing your mental and when your mental doesn't doesn't hold on to sensations anymore the way that it used to then nothing can sway your mind um, and that's like a really powerful understanding that that i I, I started to grasp by like day three intellectually, I, I grasped it. I didn't experience it until maybe day six, seven. But once I had it intellectually, i I had I had faith that that this is a very worthwhile process for me to endure, even though it was super hard to endure. I had that understanding like, If I if I do this, this is going to be a wonderful thing waiting for me on the other end, and a life skill that I will be developing. So I got to be all in, Um, yeah. And then once you're all in, you uh, at least me, I I want to be all in. I want to really develop my mind. I want to I want to be. I'm not going to change positions, even though I'm. I naturally want to squeeze my face, and I want to like kick my foot out, and I want to massage my knee, which is totally asleep, and all these things. It's like nope. That is an aversion. I will not give in to my aversions. Um, and you start to recognize that you can shift your focus a little bit. So even though you have this very intense, gross sensation in your knee, like I did a lot, you you change your attention to to your thigh and then to your abdomen. And then that sensation becomes, you still feel it, but it becomes a little bit more distance because your focus has shifted to something else. Um, so, yeah, you start to learn these little tools, and then you definitely start to recognize later on, like, this is gonna be wonderful for just living daily life. I can recognize how to observe the feelings that are happening in me. And, and um, I feel confident that um, my emotional stability, my mental stability, my my fitness, my ability to judge things um, at a more like essence level, um, rather than just working at like a surface, um, finding more like self-authenticity in my, my practices and, Kind of getting more to the root of why you do things. All that stuff just feels really solidified in me right now, like a, in a very sustainable way, um, because I did some deep work at the root level of my mind. Um, and that it's really hard at the beginning to work at the root level of your mind. You're never really asked to do that in your life.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, it sounds like there's not really the suffering isn't seen as so much that you kind of change your relationship to those, those sort of, like you're saying, cravings and aversions, you kind of change your, just the way that you even view that. Um, but was there like a, mm-hmm. was there like a best moment? Was there ever like a light bulb moment or did you get a glimpse of this uh, nibbana or anything like that?
0: Hmm. Uh, I would never, I don't, would never claim that I felt nibbana. No, I feel like I'm still far from that because Nirvana is where you don't feel any sense of suffering. and I still had suffering and still had, they call them sankaras, um, which are yeah. uh, reactions that embed themselves in your body. They become a pattern of reactions. Um, and so, like for me, I've had tons of injuries. And yeah. when I have an intense sensation in my spine, I have a natural reaction. to want to turn it and put it in some sort of alignment that I've decided is correct in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh i just noticed myself i still come to that desire i still even sometimes i naturally start to just sway my weight to the right and twist a little bit to see is there going to be some pop that happens and that's that's not full of vipassana so no i mean i definitely did not experience nibbana. but for wonderful moments like so many i i would say um just a feeling of coming Coming out of the center sometimes, you, you come out of the hall and you have your break time start and you see like the sun's rising, you, you hear the birds, you see the trees swaying in the wind, the temperature's like perfect sometimes. Um, you go stand and I would stand on the ground, take my sandals off and just feel the subtle vibration of the earth and just be like, wow, I, I'm really experiencing nature right now. At so many levels. It's outside me, it's inside me. And um, I feel such a harmony. Um, that one was amazing. And then, like, some of my sleeping, like, sleeping was really wonderful sometimes. Uh, I would go in really long dream states that felt really pure. And uh, yeah, just you're, you're, there's something wonderful about like, losing losing your control over things just succumbing to the flow and i would, would notice i would be walking and i would just start to like uh like sway my hands a little bit and move my fingers and feel the wind in them and just like feel how easy it was to breathe sometimes and just these little checks i would just be, like that's not really full of pots you're not supposed to alter your breathing but sometimes i would just take a, a slow inhale and I could just do it for 20 seconds. I just feel my whole back open and open and then an exhale and my body just sink. And I'm not like holding my weight in, in any part, my joints are not like, like suffering. Like sometimes I would just feel like true, true freedom in that sense. Yeah. But it would be momentary, and then it would go back to oh, I have a knee pain. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I want to. I want to share this experience with somebody right now. How am I going to share it with them? Oh, I'll probably tell them like that. I thought like honestly, I thought about our podcast interview quite often. It's like how am I going to explain this? And uh, in a way, in a way, those things are still like cravings. Those are attaching yourself to like thought processes, and I mean they're wonderful thought processes. So I'm not like. I'm not judging myself for it. you're not supposed to judge yourself for it. Um, I'm a new, I'm a newbie, I'm a beginner. It's my first ten day course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> that's uh, that's funny. And so, how was like? I mean, as somebody who is immersed in the technological world that we live in, like, were those sort of cravings did that come up at all?
0: Um. I I didn't feel a really strong craving to check Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. Um, I definitely had cravings for communication and especially like living in Thailand. Um, I don't, I, I mean, my communication with people that I love is through my technology. So definitely like wondering, I had some things that were in the works beforehand. Like I'm trying to set up a couple internships with my college to uh, find people to help me with my podcast and i had made a lot of progress and then all of a sudden it's like oh well i recognize that this process isn't done um but i hopefully it will get done by you guys because i'm gone for 10 days and i just like wonder what did they say in their message back to that um i was like definitely craving to read messages for sure um definitely craving to uh, listen to music sometimes definitely some songs were in my head i was like oh it would feel it would feel so good to listen to that song right now but they've taken they take your phone they take your laptop they take your passport your wallet and they put it in a locker and you don't get it for the whole time Uh, and definitely uh, a lot of things to do with my podcast um i wanted to have my recorder and wanted to just speak to it because i sometimes i just felt like my words were flowing so easily. Like my thought process was so clear and so sharp and so pure. And yeah, just there were times I was like, wow, I could really say something pretty profound right now that I could put in my podcast and would really help people's lives. And, uh, it's just a little test for me on that. Like I can remember these things. I can institute them when I'm back in the world. Um, these these are small things on my road to to relieving myself of suffering and being a truly great human like these things can wait these things might change into something else um, this is a, a, a I was had to look at things at a more meta level like technology for me is about these like really specific micro sort of focuses that are very temporal there there's like an instant thing that feels good and and in general I think I use technology productively I don't think it's like a Huge time suck for me, um, but I recognize like there's something bigger going on here that I need to stay in tune to, and technology um, would be distracting me. So mm, it was it was a struggle, especially in the beginning, uh, to be going without. Um, but it was a struggle that I was able to endure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now what do you, now that you've left there, the 10 days are over, uh, either what is, uh, what are you going to do to make sure the practice stick, sticks with you um, or what things stuck with you the most from the practice, do you think?
0: Well, I think that the teacher um, talks about how one of the, the best uh, barometers or yardsticks you can use to see if this practice is sticking with you and if it's something that you're truly committed to is how much you share it with others. Um, And one of my first things I did was, I still, I've been out for more than 24 hours now and I still haven't really gone back into the world of technology fully yet. Um, I wanted to maintain this purity that I've had to be able to share with my loved ones. And so I called my dad and my brother and my mom and my mom's boyfriend and I talked to each of these people about what I just experienced and uh, really said, like, I think this would be a great thing for you to do. <laughs> and uh, by, I think by sharing it with others, that would be one measurement for me and it will help me. Um, I think by developing a lifestyle that is uh, service-based will definitely be helping me um, to live a more a more simply will definitely be very helpful. And I'm in a place right now in Thailand where Financially, the strains are not very concerning. The weather is, is very peaceful and, and good. Um, my relationships are strong here. Um, my freedom is high. So I'm in a place right now where I can take those baby steps. So he talks about like, um, right now you've planted a small seed um, and every seed that you plant bears bears fruit from that seed. So if you plant seeds of positivity, you bear positive fruit. So everything multiplies. Um, and so I, you've planted a very, very great seed by doing this 10 day course and it's sprouted into a baby plant right now. It's got the first few inches out of the ground. You need to really give it a lot of protection right now. You need to put a fence around it so that no animals can come eat it. You need to feel like you can, for me, I take that as I need to feel like I can express myself. I don't need to be worried about people judging me, people thinking that I'm like some, religious crazy person all of a sudden, because it's not about any supernatural, religious sort of devotional thing at all. It's just an art of living in this very moment. I um, experiencing like a, a peaceful heaven within is kind of the explanation I gathered about that. Um, so you need to protect yourself from from doubt, from um, from laziness, from fear that, that, that this is bad for you. Um, and so, yeah, you protect yourself, and then you give it water, you give it sunshine, you give it proper nutrients. Um, and so, for me, those things will be um, observing my sensation when I when I can, as, as best as I can. When I'm walking, when I'm talking, when I'm listening, when I'm playing something, when I'm doing technology. Becoming more and more attuned to my senses um, is going to really help me. Um, and then uh, maintaining a daily practice. So... Sitting in the morning and the evenings as much as I can. Um, Creating like a a sacred space would be helpful um, where you have a cushion and a a quiet area and and not a lot of distractions and whatnot, all that. So keeping the practice um, and I definitely I know everything about how to practice. It's not a complicated practice, so I don't need to have some guru or some teacher explaining things to me. I don't need like a guided practice so uh, that's on me i'm my own and my own master on these things and i can do that i think um and then on a on an even bigger level to stay committed to it you you should be they recommend you to be coming back to these immersive meditation center settings so that's where you really start to you make a lot of prog- a lot of progress in a short period of time by doing that so they want you to be taking more courses in the future and I feel very I feel like that's very likely for me. I don't know when the next one will be, but I would say within the next couple of years for sure you'll see me at another one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, what was I going Oh, I, the, one of the things you did send me a, I think it's like a brochure that they have there or something. Um, and and it's specifically, like you mentioned, it talks about how it's not a religious based practice. You know, anybody can do it. There's some stuff that's rooted in Buddhism, but, um, you know, it's not specifically any faith based, uh, you know, mechanism. So they, they really did stress that in a couple of different places. Uh, but how do you feel that this fits in with your religious faith? Um, and how, how do they intertwine or complement each other?
0: Oh, I think that it fits in with, with what I already, I just felt more and more confirmed in my belief system. Um, definitely. Uh, I think what, the, what, what um, Siddhartha Gautama, the, the Buddha, 2,500 years ago, what he, what he found out um, was really wonderful. And he was an amazing teacher and taught very compassionately the way he devoted his life. Um, and so it definitely helped me the stories they told about him and, and the ways in which he helped people and how he also said, like, don't create any sort of like religious shrines about me. Don't create any particular sect that worships me. Do this thing, do this experience. Like, I don't, I don't need any sort of like, devotion from you i need i need you you should do this experience this is you are gonna find this yourself i I can't do this for you and i mean that's a big part of my 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 mentality on things too um so yeah absorbing those like wonderful qualities and making a practice of your own and and not accepting things as they're told to you but but actually like experimenting with them and coming up with your own nuanced personal understanding of how it is as it's experienced by yourself that all fits with me super well um and that's i think at the at the core of what this program was it wasn't it wasn't buddhism buddhism is more about like creating like um systems of worship and devotion and shrines and temples in which like um, you, you just create, like, a devotional understanding where people go and they do their rite or their, their ritual where they pray and they do this thing three times and they avoid pointing the feet and all these, like, these things. And they're really, like, these things are great for people. They make people feel uplifted. They make people, like, more grounded in their faith. All these things are, are helpful parts of the practice. But you don't need those things or you can have those things. And for me, I come from a my religious background is christianity i come from like non-denominational christianity and i just had so many experiences growing up where i felt confirmed that that there is a god that there and for me god was like a, a supreme or higher higher power than than me that kind of has some some level of um understanding in in the sense that nature does too Nature and God may be the same thing. Uh, nature may be part of what, what God is. Um, it's a, a general intelligence and understanding and creativity that, that that works and flows and makes sense and has like a, a wonderfulness to it um, that you can tap into if you have that relationship with it. And so I grew up with like a relationship with God and that was a lot of like through, like Jesus was my version of Buddha and where I come from. So you you keep learning about the wonderful qualities and teachings of Jesus, the ways in which he loved people, helped people when he's dying at, um, at crucifixion on the cross. You start to like, you really, you get into these situations. I was going to plays, watching movies, talking about it in youth groups, singing songs about it. And you really start to appreciate like, he's having people stone him to death and kill him and say just the worst things. And he's still, these people don't understand. I, I love them. Uh, Like I I really, I wish the best for them in their life. I have, you know, every, every bit of him is, is full of unconditional love. And that's a big part that I keep coming back to uh, Christianity um, is just that recognition that there's this unconditional love for my life. Um, If I, if I have gratitude if i recognize it if i appreciate it if i serve others all these like little instances help you tap into that feeling that that i've gotten from christianity and confirmation of my belief in that um and i think that this art of living through vipassana definitely just like solidifies those feelings you have you again you recognize how wonderful life can be and how compassionate um compassion can can just swell up in you and how you can uh, recognize ways in which you love things at a very deep subtle level in ways that you didn't recognize before um, and I've had little instances that have gotten me to very deep levels of my mind um, without me wanting to be there like I fell off of a mountain and I almost died and laid there for 12 hours and waiting for like search and rescue helicopter to come get me and I definitely thought a lot about some metaphysical things like what what my relationship with God is like and how I've been in Christianity and have I been just this like devotional worshiper because I want to look good for my parents or I want to, you know, look good in my community? Um, so you ask yourself these intentional things. Um, and I think that, that this practice definitely helps anyone that comes from a religious background to develop a, a, a greater understanding of their personal religious viewpoint in a way that is like their own personal experience of that religion and not just them being like a member or a uh, contributor or doing this rite or this ritual or having this like faith based devotion without a true um, understanding of like of living it. So yeah, this teacher even talks about this. And one of the things he talked about was Christianity and he mentioned some of these things. He's like being a Christian, one starts to realize that's about it was like living the qualities of Jesus. Jesus doesn't need your testimony that he's the son of God. He knows that already. And if you believe in Christianity, you think that. If you don't believe in Christianity, you don't think that. Jesus doesn't need your testimony of whether or not he's the son of God. Jesus asked, asked people and um, you know, to, to absorb his qualities, to have these fruits of the spirit, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, self-control, compassion, uh, wisdom, all these sort of things. Um, and that's the mark of like a a true Christian because you're doing it. Like they said, the Samadhi is at the experiential level, the Panya, which is the wisdom is at the experiential level. They're not devotional understandings. They're not intellectual understandings. You don't just like say, I read the Bible for 30 minutes a day. I'm a Christian. It's about, I read the Bible today. I I have an intellectual understanding, but I've practiced some of the parables of the Bible today by doing this and this and this in my life. Um, and so this, this uh, outwardness of serving without expecting anything in return—I think that matches so much between Christianity and, the, and Buddhism. And I mean, I expect probably the same in, in Islam and Hinduism. The, the leaders, the leaders of these things, like the gods that they worship and serve, they also have these—you know—very amazing effervescent qualities um, that ask people to to live a life like in accordance with that. Um, and so religion has been commercialized and there's like this desire to like convert a lot of people for numbers and for uh, funding and for all these like, you know, little things that are not really at the root or the essence of what that religion is about. Um, and Buddhism is not, con- this, this Vipassana is not concerned with any of that and I'm not concerned with any of that. So I feel really confirmed in that. And then also just occupationally, I felt really confirmed in my decision to become a teacher I think that that's a, a really service-based profession where you're really helping people to come into their own thinking for themselves. Um, you're presenting new perspectives and ideas. And education is just so much at the core of how you experience reality. Um, so you see yourself as part of the flow of history. You see yourself as an agent in creating the future. You see yourself as like um, an active process of resource usage and consumption, all this, when you start to like be mindful of all these things, um, you too can can become a wonderful contributor to society. And I'm gonna be in a role where I help people do that. And that's really awesome. <laughs> I'm not in a role where I'm like fighting and stressful and angry and like trying to make a lot of profit for myself at the expense of others. I feel really confirmed that I've, I've chosen the noble profession
2: yeah yeah uh, living living with purpose um i I'm very close to going to bed here it's so it's uh for those of you who will be listening to this almost eleven o'clock pm here in Michigan what time is uh, it there? Eleven Taylor? o'clock
0: a m um in Thailand. <laughs>
2: 1 o'clock AM in in Thailand, um, but I do want to give. I just want to speak briefly, one more question, and then we'll have you lead us in a meditation. But uh, the people of purpose. Let's just talk about that. Um, if if you want to relate it, if you had any revelations in, during the Vipassana retreat, or just talk about what the podcast is all about, because I think it kind of ties a lot of what we're saying together.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree. I I love I love this project I've started. So. Yeah, about four months ago, I started a podcast called People of Purpose, and it features inspiring people whose stories help you to see things differently, develop uh, intentionality to your lifestyle, and uh, find the necessary um, resources to, like, seek and find your passions um, with the goal of finding and fulfilling your purpose. Um, So my podcast is here to like help you develop like the courage um, and the wisdom to be able to, to reach these things. And so I bring on a guest that has a really interesting story that um, is doing something very authentic to themselves, following their own path and kind of break down like who their mentors are, how they make their decisions, how they overcome fears, um, what it feels like to thrive, what success means to them, how their purpose plays a role in their overall happiness what their relationships look like, um, the ways in which they have impacted communities and ideas they have about leadership and all of these things that I think are really important questions for people to be talking about. Um, and so, yeah, the podcast is like, a, I guess it started off kind of selfishly as a project for me to ask, have a platform to ask these questions to, to great people on. And I started with people I knew already that I really respected and, gave them a reason to talk to me for an hour like that. Um, And then you you get articles and books and documentaries and all these things recommended start to consume some of that. Um, And then I started to, and I also viewed it as an outreach thing. I wanted to help people that are some steps behind me and many steps behind these guests I have um, that maybe feel a little bit lost, a little bit purposeless a little bit, just going through the motions of life, doing maybe what their cultural upbringing kind of told them they needed to be doing and are are searching for some more, um, yeah, intentional ways of living um, and ways in which you can develop consciousness over that authentic intentionality. And yeah, so that's what the podcast kind of was born from. And I think it's been going really well and been starting to get some new guests that have been, People I didn't know before that are giving TED talks and writing best-selling books and all these things that are also similarly aligned with with these topics and more and more I'm I'm learning things and applying them to my life and having these wonderful results um, where I just in my the world or universe or God is coming together in a way that's just really beautiful and in a way that I would have never expected and that's how I know you uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that. I mean, it's it's always exciting to hear about all the different stuff going on. We have a a weekly call, but now it's been kind of put on pause since the Thailand. But yeah, so it's always a good chat um, for sure. So, and what and the universe is uh, presenting itself in beautiful, beautiful ways. I think you know both of our lives, which uh, you know, you uh, it's a give and take. You know, sometimes the love you make is equal to the love you take shout out to the Beatles for that one but um, <laughs> I feel like it's true yeah. you know
0: I noticed you growing a lot too you you speak so easily about some of these topics you're, you're definitely a super good listener to me um, you're definitely become one of my mentors the past several months and it's been it's been great to kind of work through some of these ideas and some of the um, confusions I may have and some of the struggles I have and I'm completely doing this solo, it, it feels like. I get lots of creative help from people like you and some others, um, but when it comes down to doing the work of putting those creative ideas into action, I, I'm doing it myself, so I've had to learn all these new things, audio editing, and, yeah, all the production and mar- social media marketing and outreach to guests and People, I—I I mean, one of the things I love is people that are like, "I just listened to this episode. I really liked this topic that they talked about. It really applies to my life. Can I have a call with you soon?" And I've just gotten to reconnect with these people from various points of my past. That have been amazing, and yeah, you know, I really feel like I'm having an influence on others as I'm being heavily influenced, and it's all for very virtuous things. Yeah,
2: it's a good—it's uh, a good thing to be a part of. That's for sure um now you're we've been talking about it kind of but uh just briefly here we're you're in thailand um this would be what is this your second time over there or correct me if i'm wrong
0: yeah yeah well i've been here in and out multiple times but yeah i lived here for a little more than a year when i was teaching and now you're back
2: you're gonna be there till when
0: until May, um, by the middle of May, I need to come back to the States because I'm starting a master's of teaching program in San Francisco and have a, a job hey. there at charter That's, school. That's
2: uh, the breaking news. Tanner's going. You're going to San Fran? <laughs>
0: That's
2: awesome, man. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. But so i trying to enjoy life a little bit right yeah. now, see some people that mean a lot to me, and trying to figure out a little bit about questions about maybe where I want to start start to plant my roots um, trying to have I have a lot of free time here the everything is just so cheap and you know, the culture is so wonderful and I really feel like this is a place that I thrive a lot and as I'm trying to do something like create a podcast or I teach English online I don't need to be in any certain location for these things so I've chosen a, a spot to base myself that I feel like I really can live very purposefully and intentionally and and develop some of these new things i'm learning a lot i, I brought a stack of books like as high as my waist <laughs> i'm just trying to spend a lot of time in my hammock reading those and being meditating every day and producing a podcast and just developing these things that i feel like are forever going to be a part of me and therefore become a part of others that that eat the fruits of the tree i'm growing <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the farmer farmer Tanner um, <laughs> yeah. yeah man well thanks thanks for coming on sharing us you know kind of fresh a couple 24 hours after you uh, you got off the retreat uh, there was some uh, I can't wait to listen to this again and again there's some really good stuff you're saying there about uh, you know some of the practice that you learned so um, thanks again for coming on we'll for sure talk again uh, we'll link up your the podcast uh, I would highly recommend it he did drop a little bit um, Made a kind of a quick reference to it about, uh, you know, falling down the side of a cliff and being needing to get helicopter taken away from. Uh, and I think that's the first episode, right? Where you just kind of go into it about that. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, that uh, along with a bunch actually. of other
2: awesome guests that he gets on there, I'd highly recommend listening to it. Um, but thanks again for coming on. Uh, and the last, last little parting gift here, if you want to just lead us in a, a brief meditation, uh, kick it off.
0: Okay. Well, find a relaxing position on where where your posture is straight. Can be seated in a chair, can be cross-legged on the floor. Clasp your hands in your lap one over the other. And start to come into this space. Mentally. Start with a calm, quiet mind. An alert and attentive mind. Balanced and economist mind. Begin to observe the respiration around your nostrils, not changing anything about your breathing. If it's a little bit more in the right, that's okay. it's more in the left, it's a little bit blocked. If it's a little bit itchy, whatever it is, come into that sensation without any desire to change it. As you feel the air coming in and out, maybe take note of its temperature. May notice it's a little cooler coming in, a little hotter coming out. Notice any sensations you have around your nostrils, maybe in the walls, Maybe in the tip. Maybe just below your nose in that mustache area above your upper lip. See if you can feel any vibration, any sensation. And try to stay focused on that. If you do find that you've lost your focus, that you're on a train of thought, it's okay. Come back to that balanced, autonomous mind. Observe the respiration again. In and out. Again, see if you can feel any sensation in this section around the nose. If you can feel sensation, start to move your attention to the top of your head. Be careful not to change your posture or to move your eyes. Just start to notice how does the top of your head feel? Do you feel any pulsing, throbbing, any gentle, subtle, tingling? Maybe it just feels numb or blank. If you can grasp any sensation in this area, see if you can follow it. Maintain some attention for 30 seconds, one minute. Start to notice if it relates to any other part of your body or maybe feel it shower over your head. Again, don't try to change your sensation. Don't try to imagine or visualize a new sensation. Observe the sensation as it is right now. You may notice that another part of your body has clenched up. Be sure not to, not to make that change your position, not to bring you out of the focus. Keep your mental concentration right here at the top of your head. So begin to scan the entire head. Do you notice any sensation? Maybe a, a strong, intense sensation. Maybe it's a subtle, tingling sensation. Maybe you feel hot or cold, or itch. You may notice that your forehead is a little bit tightened. Maybe your jaw is clenched. Don't need to necessarily try to unclench your jaw, but just put your focus right there where that clenching is and start to feel what happens to your body when your focus is right there. Keep the understanding of impermanence. None of these. Feelings, sensations you have right now. None of them are part of you. They're not with you forever. They too will pass, they will change. Would you recognize this feeling in your head and move down to your your throat? Scan your face. Notice any feelings maybe behind your eyeballs or under your lips or mouth or observe the feeling of your tongue right now. Don't need to judge yourself if you've been in any clenched position or are really fidgety. Just come back to focusing your concentration on that particular area that has that sensation you'll find that you begin to understand maybe why you wanted to move your tongue or swallow, itch your face, scratch your face. As you observe these things, you begin to notice that that you can just observe them. You don't need to take an action to change them. continue like this through your shoulders, your biceps, triceps, forearms, hands, fingers. Bring your attention to your chest. Take note of Your breathing in the chest. Is it expansive? Is it constricted? Is it fast? Is it slow? Is it effortless? Difficult? And bring the attention down to your abdomen. Try to go to any place that you feel a sensation tingling or squeezing. Maybe some pain. And again, just be that observer. Recognize its impermanence. And like this, we move to the upper back and the lower back. Down through the buttocks, the glutes, your hips, your groin. Even scan the little tiny muscles around your anus. Bring your attention over your thighs, your hamstrings. Again, coming to any sensation, not trying to change or alter that sensation. Observing it as it is. Come to your knees. You may notice some twinging, some pain, some maybe pleasurable feeling. Maybe you feel a pulse in another part of your body. Stay focused on your knees as they are. And symmetrically like this, come down your calves, in the front of your shins, the attention to your ankles. Come to the bottom of your feet. Scan section by section, part by part, piece by piece. Or you can scan the entirety, depending on how sharpened your focus is. Come to the tops of your feet. They're not changing or moving your toes or trying to alter this state. just observing. And then come toe by toe, your pinky and your ring and your middle. Second toe and the big toe. And then like this, just come with a free flow all the way from your toes. Up through your feet, up to your calves, ankles, shins, quads and the hamstrings, buttocks, through the abdominals, circling up through your chest and your back, lower back and upper back. Feel this wash free flow of subtle vibration through your arms, out your fingers, back up through your fingers and your hands, through your forearms your upper arms, come to the shoulder area, come into the connection between the shoulders and the neck, scan the neck, the throat. Feel any subtle, gentle energy, sensation coming up through the bottom of your head, through your jaw, your cheeks, to the back of your head. Come into your ears, to your eyes, forehead, to your temples. Keep moving around the back of the head. And like this, keep washing your way all the way to the top of your head where we began. Come back to the breathing at your nostrils. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings experience love and happiness and joy and like this we compassionately finish the practice in the language at the time of the Buddha, Pali language if you believe this sentiment to be true about love, joy, kindness, happiness for all we close with a Sadhu sadu sadu. You can open your eyes and clench your hands. Come out of the practice. Take a rest, take a rest. Thank you.